0: Welcome to Solomon's Knot, finding truth and wisdom in an information age. Today's guest is Leah Carson from Lens of Faith blog and podcast. Here to discuss issues involving morality, faith, technology, and the dignity of human life. Leah is a bold messenger of Christ with deep insights into focal questions surrounding truth and experience affecting young people in today's culture. So without further delay, let's get to our guest. All right, guys, I got a great guest on today. Normally we have students or we get professors and various disciplines academically, but I really wanted to get a voice on the show to talk and to speak into issues in the culture. And I could not think of a better person. She has just got a thumb on what is happening in the culture and the world. And I think she is just so great at taking even some of those theological and just practical aspects and bring them together and just presenting in a very clear Way what's going on in the cultural zeitgeist that we are in the midst of? So uh, without further ado, I'm going to introduce my friend Leah from Lens of Faith Ministry. We'll make sure to plug some information for how you could follow her and and track some of the things that she's doing. All right, hey Leah, how's it going?
1: Hey Jason, how are you?
0: Great. So um, can you go and introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about your background, some of your ministry, and what you want to communicate to both young people, college age students, maybe parents or ministers that are you know following the show. What do, you, what do you really want to
1: say? So um, God had me start Lens of Faith Ministry in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, I just have a crazy faith story. That would be another show, my testimony. But, you know, he told me to start blogging. I've always been a creative writer my whole life. In fact, I wrote an award-winning children's book when I was 19, you know, just for fun. Just, I've always loved to write. I've always been a words person. And I really believe that like, who we are created, our talents, our gifts, even how we look, our age, you know, the time that we were born, it's all for a purpose for such a time as this. Right. Mm -hmm. And so even me being a writer, I thought, Oh, I just got this from my parents. You know, they're creative. Like God made me a writer for a purpose. And he also gave me a very authoritative, strong speaking voice a boldness that I've Mm -hmm. always had, fearlessness that I've always had. And, you know, I just thought it's just because I'm the oldest of eight children. I have to, you know, get those people in check, you know? (laughs) And so he had to give me that voice. He started to really reveal it to me when he had me start my ministry. And he told me in 2016, this is going to be the start of your ministry. Mm. I said, okay. And I said, well, what will I name it? And and I'm a wedding photographer. Um, That's my passion is photography. And he told me lens of faith. And so, you know, I didn't hear that from anybody else or anything, but God gave me lens of faith, which really goes with kind of being a photographer and my journey, which is a very faith-based journey that I'm walking right now. Mm. I I went and spoke at a women of faith and business meeting, a, a small conference, and two women came up to me you know, at separate times and said, do you have a podcast? And I just laughed again, you know, like, ha ha ha, because I never liked the sound of my voice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I used to work at a Christian radio station and, you know, the host of the radio shows, they would always come up to me and I was in the sales department. I wasn't even in the studio, you know, and they would say, Leah, can you come and like do a voiceover for a commercial for us? Mm-hmm. And I would just like, oh, I don't like my voice recorded. Right. And they would tell me like, you have the perfect radio voice. It's like, God was showing me like, I made you this way for, purpose you know nothing's an accident nothing was just handed down to you by your parents you know this is not genetics this is not happenstance circumstance you know any of that that god has a specific plan and purpose and every single detail you know matters to him he's in all of the details of our lives Um, A month before the pandemic, he told me now's the time. I didn't know anything. You know, I had to go on YouTube and learn how to podcast and everything. And then the pandemic happened a month later. And what did people do? They were isolated. You know, podcasts were the thing. You can't leave the house. So God just started just downloading, you know, messages. The Holy Spirit started speaking through me of what to say. He would change my topics sometimes. Really just allow him to flow through me and I try not to put him in a box. So yeah, so that's what I'm doing today. I have my ministry now and just kind of whatever he wants me to say, I say.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, there's there's so much there to unpack. Uh, I definitely agree. I, for years, I also felt this burden to want to get the message out in different ways. And I think the podcasting thing definitely came about in a kind of a random way, but I'm glad that was a medium that God chose to use through you. And it is very powerful and effective. Um, and we're going to talk about this a little bit about uh, specifically you touched on uh, just some of the gender-based issues and morality issues uh, earlier in discussion. I think part of your testimony will, will probably unpack some of this as well. Just maybe your own experiences, whether it's the conversations you've been engaging with on your platform and uh, just maybe some practical things that the students can take away. Um, You are the second woman I've interviewed and already there's like a shift happening with the kinds of conversations and personalities and the different sources of wisdom that I think are going to be relevant. So this was interesting. Um, There's kind of a couple books I really wanted to tease out. One of them is called Irreversible Damage, the Transgender Craze, Seducing Our Daughters by Abigail Schreier. I'm not going to Get into like all the nitty-gritty here, but she was a, a New York Times best-selling author. She really unpacked a lot of this. This is a quote from one of her books. She said, For these girls, trans identification offers freedom from anxiety's relentless pursuit. It satisfies the deepest need for acceptance, the thrill of transgression, and the seductive lift of belonging tons to unpack there. I was just curious, has this conversation come up a lot in some of the communities you've been in? And what are maybe some of those themes that I think is really sticking out that may be relevant for the conversation that we're having?
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, I'll tell you, I'm from California. So, you know, it's very liberal, yeah. not kind of a conservative, you know, my whole life San Francisco, it's known for it, it's being gay and, you know, mm-hmm. um, just being a liberal, you know, mm-hmm. kind of state. So definitely not a Southern girl, you know, I wasn't raised in the South, so I don't kind of have that upbringing, but very familiar with it. You know, I'd go to San Francisco and I would see, mm-hmm. um, this is what I'll say. I didn't grow up with social media. So for me, a lot of things are shocking. I'll just tell you that. Um, where the young people now, you know, if you're in your twenties, and even you're in your teens right now, all you know is social media. Mm-hmm. So it's hard for me to relate to the generation that has had no social media. And so the enemy has really used this culture that is addicted to social media Mm. to bring a spirit of confusion. And to really mess with identity and give identity crisis to young people mm. and targeting the children, right? Not coming after the ones that are in their late thirties and forties. And, you know, they, they're already set in their ways and they have their own mindset from the days of old or whatever, right? Mm. Are in this culture, I call it a death culture that we live in, yeah. right? Where growing up, I don't remember suicides like you see now, you know, just left and right. Um, I heard recently that a girl, she couldn't get her Snapchat to load and she committed suicide because of it
0: oh that's crazy
1: yeah something super small and like really pointless yeah you know the enemy is using the smallest things to target life Mm. to target gender you know to target identity Mm. to target purpose because if the enemy can get your identity then he can rob you of your purpose yeah then you're going to be useless for his kingdom and you're going to live defeated the rest of your life right and that's his goal
0: Yeah, I think when you mentioned just kind of like clarifying, you know, when we say the enemy from our faith context, our worldview, there's powers and principalities over this world, Satan, Lucifer, he goes by many names. And then there's also the world system which has its brokenness, its flaws, whether it's literally the natural world, the earth and natural disasters, things like that, including just the sin in the world and how that distorts reality. We've done episodes on this in the past. We'll talk about, you know, in the beginning, there was a temptation. Part of that temptation was a distortion of God's truth. And because of that, we're all kind to search for justice and purpose and identity, which we rightly had from the beginning, mm-hmm. but even just in a modern sense, uh, how does that tie in back in the conversation? So, uh,
1: you know, just growing up, you know, I didn't have so social media. So I really can't relate to like that, that being all there is, you know, I love media, but it's not something I grew up with. Mm. You know, there wasn't this culture of death where there was, you know, a ton of suicide. School shootings, the very first school shooting I ever heard of was Columbine, and it made me cry Mm -hmm. because I never and nobody ever heard of a school shooting before that. It just wasn't something that was out there. Now it's become, unfortunately, sad, but more the norm. Mm. So with that type of culture, young people, they feel lost. They don't know what their place is in this world. There's these bullies online. You know, Um, I have a friend who's a mom, and She's a big advocate for children and technology and social media. Just recently, she made up an account pretending she was a 15 year old to see what would happen Mm. online on like social media. And she said instantly she had two pedophiles Mm. send her messages soliciting her, okay, thinking that she, you know, sending false photos. And instantly she got ads that said that, you know, you're too fat, how to lose weight. Mm. All those things were targeted to her within like the first day of her creating an account as a 15 year old.
0: Oh, it's nuts. Yeah. This is the, one of the dangers with using this technology. And um, I heard some discussions on this recently from the standpoint of a parent, if you give your child access to technology, the world's basically trying to raise your child for you. And, and there's probably so much we can unpack there just between whether it's boundaries and you know healthy technology usage, what are the appropriate levels of which you should give access, even ourselves? Like, right? I mean, I have, you know, software for my phone that allows some of my friends to monitor my activity that I trust for accountability reasons. If we believe what the word says about the eyes being the gateway to the soul, we have a responsibility to protect the content that's getting into our hearts. And I think there's something so powerful about that. And there's just something very powerful about words. And obviously we're discovering this as we're doing more podcasts. Like you don't know how far reaching these messages get. Here's some statistics that I found pretty shocking actually and this is not just some random article i pulled off a website this is the national library of medicine so this is a government organization that's conducted peer-reviewed research here's just the overview right here social media use by minors has significantly increased and has been linked to depression and suicidality so these are government studies right here simultaneously age-adjusted suicide rates have steadily increased over the past decade in the u.s with suicide being the second most common cause of death in youth i don't know what the first one is probably drug addictions or overdose so the second most common cause The increase in suicide rate parallels the simultaneous increase in social media usage. There is a direct correlation here. How much so? In addition, the rate of non suicidal self injury ranges between 14 and 21% among youth. Okay, so look, the evidence is pointing to a correlation between increased social media usage and depression leading to suicide gender dysmorphia all these things how do we then properly engage with the technology and by the way you and i grew up at a time where we just started kind of getting access to this stuff what do you tell to maybe students or young people today that are being raised in this from a practical standpoint what can we do to curb the technology usage maybe free ourselves of this to have more time for the people that we love our own relationship with god or our own connection with our spirituality like just practical things that you do maybe in your life to maybe equip people listening to the show.
1: Well, first of all, I want to urge parents, like really urge parents to not introduce your kids to a smartphone, Mm -hmm. you know, to technology and don't be addicted yourself in front of them because then they're going to want what you're doing. You know, Mm -hmm. it's easy to say it, but you have to actually live by example, right? I really urge parents and I call out people all the time, so I have no problem doing this, you know, in the spirit of love. But I urge parents to not give their kids access to technology until they're, you know, to an age where they can make mature decisions. And if you're not raised knowing who you are in Christ, I mean, that's just a whole nother message, honestly. Like, you know, it's hard to really speak to young people that weren't raised in a Christian home because they didn't have the foundation Mm. that you need. So when you get set out into the world, you have something to come back to. Mm. It really has to do with our own conviction from the Holy Spirit, honestly, because even I have to put my phone down, Mm. you know, it gets to a point where even if I'm doing a good thing, I could be doing ministry related things, good things for the kingdom right Mm -hmm. and even then God's saying but it's still not you and me Mm-hmm. Like even I, even you can be doing good things online. It's not always harmful things, but that constant addiction to a phone. And I think they were saying that smartphones, they give off like a dopamine. I don't know all the stats on that. Mm-hmm. There's something about what's in a smartphone that actually keeps you addicted. And that's why a lot of people, as soon as they wake up one eye open in bed, they already have their Instagram open, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're laying in bed and you know, they want to go to sleep, but they can't. It's because their mind is just racing from all all of the information that they've taken in all of the images all of the comments all of the connections online that they all of the information all the pictures everything that they've taken in yeah. and it's hard sleep. So that's not healthy as well, Yeah. right? And so then you wake up moody. You can't let it go, though. You can't put it down. And so it's really something that we'll have to take self-control to do. And you just have to really see it in kind of a spiritual sense that this can separate me from my relationship with God. And it's not like, is this wrong or right? It's more of, does this separate me from God or does this draw me closer to his presence? Yes. And a lot of times Christians go, oh, well, it's not a sin, so it's okay. But if you Live in that gray area, then you lose that intimacy factor that we need to have with the Holy Spirit with Jesus, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it sounds like not just knowing your identity, but also creating space. There's almost a self-awareness, like, hey, I'm spending too much time immersed and addicted to the sense of uh self-gratification or the device itself is drawing you into this place of comfort that in a sense is giving you purpose and identity. And that's it's anything, anything we we feel that gap with and what's i think particularly dangerous about the technology is that the longer you're immersed in it the more narcissistic you get because you're emptying yourself into this technology and like here's a few quotes from scripture i know some of the people listening to the show maybe at different places in your journey whether it's with christianity or just in your own walk with jesus if you're still trying to define what that is but like this is from the word of god and i want you to really think about this from just an outside perspective in terms of the conversation we're having so this is romans 12 1 the apostle paul speaking this therefore i I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Listen to this. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, perfect will. Like we need a standard to look at, to say, this is the way that I should be living my life. And therefore, when you see things clearly, you're like, wow, like I'm spending a lot of time on this technology, or I'm spending a lot of time engaging in some of these practices that are unhealthy here's the thing is there's almost like this type of reverse shame happening where in the past we would kind of feel guilty about these things and i think that's the conviction of the holy spirit bringing this onto your heart but now because the culture is like well no you should do what makes you feel good right. and the reason you're feeling guilty is because of all these cultural and religious pressures put on you these systems of tradition that are no longer relevant today because we have the technology or because we have some insight or because we're not constrained by the institutional pressures put upon Upon us by our parents and their traditions. So, do you have anything to? I wanted to tell
1: you that it's funny that you quoted that scripture verse because that's the exact scripture verse that I used today. I did a blog. Mm. It was kind of like you know a little tough love, Mm. but stop telling people that you're a Christian when you're really just a believer.
0: (laughs) Oh. And you know, there's, and we talk about this a lot within the context of faith, but when we say fruit, right, there's a visible, there's an actual outpouring of your conduct, your character, your internal beliefs are basically informing your external behaviors. The biblical concept of fruit is essentially how you're conducting your life is going to actually be reflective of the decisions that you're making, the lifestyle patterns that you have, your very words yourself out of the heart, the words flow it. I want to take a moment to inform you of a few recent events coming up in the near future. Forcampus.org will be partnering with Noble Mossy and his Lighthouse crew for the Ignite National Summit at New Song Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. This summit will be taking place from July 28th to Saturday, July 30th, and will host speakers and guests from various campus and city ministries, including young adult movements happening at NC State and the greater region. To learn more about this event, including how to secure your tickets, please check out the show notes for further information. Additionally, I'm excited to announce that Forcampus.org will be launching its next outreach day this August 13th at noon. We'll be meeting at Starbucks outside the Tally Student Center on NC State University. The last time our team gathered together, dozens of students received the gospel, with some having never encountered the person of Jesus Christ. So for more details, including resources to equip students and campus ministers, check out our website at 4, that is the number 4, campus.org and make sure to share with like-minded peers in your sphere of influence. Now, let's get back to our show. Just even going a little bit further in Romans, uh, this is verse nine. I mean, super theological, but just incredibly practical and real. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. That can apply to people that don't even believe. I mean, that's just universal, I think, in that regard. But now we have to define what evil and good is. You can't define good apart from God. We don't have the same definition of the same language. Be devoted to one another in love. I don't think anyone's going to complain about that. That's the golden rule. Honor one another above yourselves. So much to unpack here. But essentially, the culture that we're in today... It's elevating man above God. It's basically promoting the sense of we can define what's right and good and pleasing to ourselves as long as we're not hurting our neighbor, and as long as we're not violating the law, right? The law of the land. Well, in a sense, what you're doing, the way you're behaving in a way is actually harming your neighbor because while you may want to practice certain behaviors or things, what used to be done privately is now being done publicly. And because those behaviors are not being addressed within those private or public contexts, those have a spillover effect into education into government into our church communities into every area of life and now what's happening is us as the church or us as people that conform our lives to God's word we're now having to interact in the same space and so I doing think that right now seeing, he's
1: separating the goats from the sheep as it's he's definitely doing that right now especially you know we just had one of the largest overturns in law mm. in my lifetime wow. right willby
0: Wade mm-hmm.
1: and Expect, like, you know, I have an account where all I follow is ministers and leaders, mm-hmm. pastors, musicians, right? I mean, these are like really popular people of influence. And I'm telling you, Jason, to see like 10% of the people posting, do you understand? Yeah, very
0: few people responding to that. Like, what would you think is the reason for that?
1: Oh, I can tell you right off the bat. In fact, the Holy Spirit had me do a message and call out these pastors, right? Told him no at first. <laughs> Who wants to do that? Mm. And, you know, I didn't really have time when he told me to do it. it The Saturday, the next day after, right? When I saw, when I started to see, like, wow, why don't I see any posts? Why aren't there any public posts? We just celebrated Father's Day like five days before and everybody posted. Do you understand? Even they even posted their dead fathers. Okay. Come on. Like, you know, everything was being posted. But here we're having 50 years of standing in the gap for the unborn, you know, for the innocent. 63 million babies murdered. I'm telling you, it was like a Holy Spirit fire just lit up inside of me, you know?
0: You know, kind of just going with the conversation here, you know, we're talking a lot about issues of morality, and I think that there are philosophical and theological vantage points we can take, and why we're kind of experiencing this in the culture. I think we can clearly see there's something wrong. I kind of want to take this in a different direction. I heard an interview with this author, I think it was like a podcast he had done, and uh, his book, I'll, I'll drop some links in the show notes, but his book Book is called seculosity how career parenting technology food politics and romance became our new religion and what to do about it and basically the premise is i'll actually read this um, i thought it was really neat he says at the heart of our current moment lies a universal yearning not to be happy or respected so much as enough what religions call righteous to fill the void left by religion we look to all sorts of everyday activities from eating and parenting to dating and voting for the meaning once provided on sunday morning it- essentially there's like this underlying morality to how people live out their lives like and i'll give you an example when the keto diet came out it's like oh you're not doing the keto diet Whoa. or if you're like embracing some kind of workout regime and you see this on social media a lot but it's like uh, people always want to kind of straighten you out and tell you what is more important and there's this like one-upping effect do you see this a lot on instagram or in the social media space uh, comparison like, oh, yeah yeah comparison that's right comparison culture right right so when we talk about morality from the con- context for our faith. We're rooting this in the personal attributes, of the character of Christ, the fruit of the spirit, and even just wisdom from whether it's Old Testament, New Testament. But it seems like the world, the beast system has its own form of morality where it's comparison, it's canceling other people, it's works-based righteousness. Help us kind of like demystify some of this, or at least help bring some of this to light. And what, what do you see from your perspective as you engage people in the culture?
1: Well, I can tell you it stems from government. It stems from media, right? Mm. Like we were saying, like, you know, I didn't grow up with the suicides, the school shootings, mm. the social media, all that has taken its toll on young people, right? Mm. And then you're like, oh, let's get rid of police. You see the violence has increased. You see so much that is happening in our world, just craziness, and you have a pandemic on top of it. Then you have inflation, mm. you know, it's all just piled on, piled on. And it really starts to affect your mind, it affects how you see the world. It affects what you think of the world. And so the lack of morality in our country with our leaders in government, with the media, affect Mm. how you think morality should be. If you don't have a firm foundation in Christ where you're reading Mm. the word and you're living the 10 commandments out, you know, living in this biblical walk, Mm. you're going to kind of just go with whatever the culture's telling you is the norm. I feel like that's what's kind of we're faced with with this culture. The enemy is getting bolder and louder. Mm. What's good, evil, and what's evil, good. Yeah. If you don't have a firm foundation in Christ, if you are not, if the Bible is not your firm foundation, if your identity is not in Christ, then mm. you're going be easily swayed to the left or to the right.
0: Yeah. And look, guys, we're constantly bringing up the Bible, Christ, as a standard of which we can measure our own morality. When we talk about our presuppositions, the core underlying beliefs that form the foundation for our behaviors, the way we conduct ourselves in society, what we call good has to be rooted in an ethic and morality that is established for millennia, but has actually formed the bedrock on the civilization, in which our laws, our framework, the way we even operate in our lives are conducted. Now, some people would argue today that we're not really a Judeo-Christian nation. We're kind of more acting in this pluralistic society where there's kind of multiple worldviews at play, but there has to be a natural law that underlines a lot of this. And I'll give an example here. This is some research I pulled back from my graduate studies on the topic of morality. And I made a mention in Matthew 5. So in in the most concise sense, Jesus addressed this in the Sermon on the Mount. And I just was reading this this morning. The Sermon on the Mount is basically a hyperlink for the entire Bible. Literally covers Isaiah, Psalms. It's like half of it's Old Testament, half of it's Revelation The New Testament. And really what Jesus is doing is kind of reaffirming and fulfilling the ethics that we knew about from the very beginning in the ways that we're supposed to conduct ourselves in the new earth, new kingdom. When people say, well, I don't want to hurt my neighbor. Like just be good to people. You see the slogans all the time. This is the morality of the world. Just be kind, be good to people, good vibes, right? They may make good Instagram memes, but at the end of the day, it's kind of lacking in some deeper understanding. Uh, But here's an extreme case if you were to compare yourself to someone like Hitler, well, I'm pretty good compared to him. Right. I'm good compared to this murder on death row, the people that shot up the schools. But those people also thought they were doing what's right in their eyes. And I remember just recently, every now and again, I'll engage with a college student and I'll bring up this topic of morality. I remember this one student said, he boiled it down to like, this is what's good. You know, why can't I be good apart from God? So I mentioned, what about Adolf Hitler? What about Karl Marx and Joseph Stalin? Oh, well, we're all like Hitlers. Just the kind of conversation it was like, so there's no standard at which we measure what is good and evil, how do we actually know what is right from wrong? It's
1: it's almost like the way that they gauge what's good and evil is would I go to jail for this? Is this a crime?
0: Ooh, okay. Which is contrary to the word. Romans 3.10 There's no one righteous, not even one. You see this also in the Psalms. No one does good. Well, that's because we
1: have a different standard. We are supposed to live by a holy standard. Mm. What's good to us is what looks like Jesus. So that's supposed to be the standard that we live by. The world lives by. Can I get in trouble for doing that? Is it a crime? No, then I can do mm. it. But if I can get away with it, it must be okay. Right. Does it please God or not? So it's a whole different level.
0: And so if we're using our reason, because this is what so many people, I mean, just it's a human component, our conscious understanding of the world. And this is where I think, and we can go into so many rabbit trails on how evolutionary thinking comes into play, whether people even believe that we even have a conscience, that, that, that's kind of scary because then, well, how do you even know if you're alive? And essentially, if reason is the central processing unit of our brain. If that's how we are able to discern right from wrong, different categories of truth and and reality, if God created us to be rational creatures, then we have the ability to communicate from a standard is actually good or bad. And if you do go back to the beginning, the way that the biblical narrative lays out how we're supposed to conduct our lives, God actually did that for us. He gave us a comparison of two trees. One's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil or good and bad. That's actually, I think, the proper Hebrew definition is bad. And then the other one is the tree of life. Well, God says, do not eat from the tree of the good and evil. Satan then introduces his own belief system in there. And that's where we get jacked up. You know, just along those lines, I mean, do you response to that?
1: I really feel I'm supposed to say this. So I'm along the lines of what is good and evil, what's moral, what's not. Jason, the truth is sad, but the majority of Christians at this point, because they're not reading their Bible, Mm. because they're not really know their Bible, they really don't even know what's wrong anymore. They don't even know what, let's just be honest, right? Mm. They take in so much of the world, TV, you know, godless entertainment, music, everything that this world has to offer, social media. And if you just drown yourself in what the world has to offer, which is godless, mm-hmm. then you're gonna start to believe that same sex is okay. Why is it so wrong? God loves people, right? right. Okay? Don't judge your
0: neighbor. Yeah.
1: Why is abortion wrong? Oh, you know, she doesn't want it. It's my body, my choice. Right. Why is he... you start to justify the things of the world because yeah. all you take in is what the world's telling you, right? Right. So that's why I really challenge believers to start to dive in, not like an hour mm. at church on Sunday. I'm talking about Monday through Sunday, you yes. know, to read your Bible every day, make it a priority. You always have time. I remember when I worked in the corporate world and I would have a lunch break, I would go in my car and open up my Bible. Yeah. You know, you always make time for what you want to do, you know, as humans, right? As we. Yeah. I really believe that the Holy Spirit was revealing to me why the church has been so silent on important issues mm. and just just standing up for righteousness, standing against sin, speaking out against sin, things like that. It's really because the standard is so low in the church right now.
0: Mm, Yeah. Like
1: they don't even know, is it really sin? Yeah. Is it really wrong? Because, you know, all they do is take in Netflix and movies mm. and music and the news and everything secular. Mm. And so they start to believe whatever yeah. you, we start to it transforms us. And that's why the Bible says, like you said earlier, yeah. you know, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, which is in the word of God. Right. Right. Yeah. Because if you're not, then you're just going to be easily swayed. Mm. And unfortunately, I mean, this is another topic, but when the end times come and the enemy comes to deceive you, what's going to happen to you? If you can't stand up now, how are you going to stand up then?
0: Yeah, always be prepared to give a defense for the reason why you believe yeah. and this is one of the areas we never really get into the weeds on but i mean i did multiple episodes on hell but I never really got on the aspect of judgment you know when we're talking about the church being the moral standard at which societies and, and civilizations should compare against on the one hand i think we need to give ourselves a little bit of grace because you know the church is a community of people that essentially struggle with sin but there's sanctification there's a building up into our faith that is supposed to be done over the course of seasons it's Essentially, it's, you know, it's a hospital for sinners. But another vantage point to look at is it is also a place full of glory and love. And, you know, and you're going to see this, I think, radical transformations, whether it's happening in areas of Ukraine, different parts of the world that are being persecuted. I Before I go to bed most nights, I will read from a few books that I have. One of them is Fox's Book of Martyrs. And just seen throughout history, there's a clear distinction between followers of Christ, servants of Christ, and kind of the Christian culture around. Because the people being burned at the stake, people that are living radically, different. They were sharing the gospel. They were not recanting from their faith when challenged or persecuted. They were holding to the doctrines, the sacred mysteries of the faith, which were kept from the people. And I think that we have the freedom in our country to really share the faith It's one of the biggest reasons again get on college campuses while we still can, because there are many countries where you cannot openly go out on a microphone and share your faith. Some countries call it proselytizing. I call it engaging with students on issues of critical thinking and worldview. But what i also think is important is that people as they're developing the worldview that they're actually confident of what they do believe because more often than not when i engage with people in the culture or young people in the campuses i'm not convinced that people believe what they believe i've only met a few that actually have really firmly believe what they believe who were atheists and they were radically convinced of their belief but what's funny is every time we walk away from conversations they still want to ask questions they still want to search they're still curious about elements of the faith or the world view to which you are applying. So as followers of Christ, what do you think should be the separation or the distinction between people of the world, the worldly thinking, and those of us that are holding to the sacred mysteries and the truth of Christ? Yeah. What would be the fruit between both of those? And what do you see on your level?
1: What should really separate us is morality, honestly, mm. fiction on things, not the gray area, like is it sin or is it not sin, mm. but is that something that's going to pollute my spirit? Mm. Is this going to grieve the Holy Spirit? Like to have that mindset versus is this a gray area? or not because yeah. anytime it's okay as long as it's not blatant sin you're mm. going to end up sinning that's just you know, you know <laughs> like it's only a matter of time before you go full on sin mm. remember um, this was a long time ago but there was a girl I was kind of praying for you and she would she was a Christian she went to my young adult group college group and she would feel guilty she would go to her boyfriend's house she would end up sleeping with him mm-hmm. and she would feel guilty and then she would call me and she would ask me for prayer mm-hmm. and so I would pray for her you know for this not to happen again right then a week later she would call me again and she would say it happened again this is what the the point of the story like yeah like trying to not be judgmental or anything. You know, I prayed for her again, but I'm telling you, Jason, the third time she called me, I had to tell her, I said, girl, you don't need prayer. You need boundaries. Wow. And she basically wanted nothing to do with me yeah. that. because that's what I'm trying to tell you. People want to justify their sin and they yeah. want to hang out with people that will not remind them that they're living in sin. Right.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: Sometimes, you know, like-minded are attracted mm. to like-minded. Oh, you're compromising. So am I. You're sleeping with your boyfriend. You're getting drunk you know you're watching all these shows you know naked dating or whatever's out there now so then they don't feel guilty they don't feel convicted but the truth is you want to hang out with people that actually keep you accountable you know
0: You're hitting on so many. And this is exactly why I wanted to interview you because I know you have just a really raw and very just deliberate way of communicating truth. You know, the whole idea of the show is we're trying to get after wisdom here. And I think more often than not, a lot of the wisdom and advice, information is so practical and common sense that it doesn't require deep theological treatise or like a major philosophical unpacking. It's really simple. Like your sinful condition of your heart led you to act out in an unhealthy, destructive way, and you're looking for some kind of moral cleansing or justification for your behavior, here's what I think is the key is the word does say to confess to one another so that there's an aspect of which we bear each other's burdens, but that other person is not responsible for your salvation. We have one Lord, one savior. And I think as a church, as a body of Christ, that's when we have the opportunity to come together and instead of judging one another, we sharpen one another. It's not that we put up with sin. You know, I, I heard this is very practical advice about how to engage with people both within the context of our faith and outside when we come across people different beliefs different lifestyles different worldviews just to kind of safeguard your heart and say i don't agree with that you know as simple as that like oh it's really interesting well i don't agree with that because i don't respect sin Mm -hmm. but i do understand that the person is in a process and a journey and by the way i've learned this in patterns in my own life that we don't judge but there's kind of differences in the way that i think as followers of christ as brothers and sisters in faith that we kind of approach one another because we know that there's one true god and One Lord, there is this grace to kind of correct your neighbor. You know, I've I've even seen where some people are affirm they're like, no, that's not true, that's not correct. Um, I would just say in those cases, doing that from a position of love. It's one thing to be like, well, I disagree with that. Twitter rant, you know, social media craze, hashtag share, whatever. That's probably not so productive and actually is probably really damaging. Yeah. It's another thing to say, I disagree with that. I definitely want to encourage you to pursue truth and pursue righteousness. And by the way, look, if you ever want to meet for coffee, like my door's open. I would say that that type of thinking is not something I agree with. And I think that maybe you should really, you know, consider learning a little bit more about that before you just share what you feel because feelings don't exactly always compare to reality. Right. Honestly, sometimes we just have to, to let people learn and grow and fall, and we can be there in a loving way to catch them. Yeah. Thank you for listening to another episode of Solomon's Knot, an extension of 4 and its related partners. For more information about our ministry, including ways to connect with us in the Raleigh-Durham area of North Carolina, please check out our website at four, the number 4 campusorg slash contact. This will be part one of a two-part episode covering issues of morality, gender, and a host of topics that have issues impacting our culture, especially our young people. So check out in the coming weeks for the second part of this exciting episode with Leah at Lens of Faith Ministry. Please check out our website, including some of the resources to equip students, ministry leaders, and peers on how they can connect and witness the gospel to this next generation. We look forward to hopefully seeing you at the Ignite National Summit or at NC State Campus in the coming future for our next outreach event. So until next, time, this is your host, Jason, signing out. Peace.